Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the, I believe, third episode of the Fan to Fan Combat Podcast. Took a while off, but we are going to be back on with the end and beginning of new sports seasons coming into play. Today, we have another football episode for you. Um, I will be taking part in debate with my friend Jonah Traub as the moderator over here and my debate partner as a Cahill Love Jr., CJ. And we're going to be talking some football. It's going to be eight questions as normal. And that's a tiebreaker. So, JT, if you don't mind, let's get into it. All right. So, first question. Uh, after last night's game, the national championship game between Alabama and OSU, uh, do you think Justin Fields did enough to play himself into a draft spot above Trevor Lawrence based on common logic? Because it is the Jags, but, you know, com- most likely they will go with the quarterback and it will be the number one. Um, and as a bonus, uh, if not, was there any performance Fields could have put out there that would have possibly earned him a spot above Trevor Lawrence? Um, just as a just a starting point, Justin Fields, I kind of don't think he had a chance at being a number one pick because even if he won the national championship last night, it would have helped him, but he was, it still would have been a long shot for him to be number one. Trevor Lawrence has been projected to be number one pick since he came into college and mostly since he was in high school. Like it was just, he was just a great prospect. So there was not much that Justin Fields could have done this year that would have propelled him into the number one spot. Yes, the Jags are picking and maybe they had their mindset on uh, Justin Fields because they kind of accepted him because they had the two. But now that they have the one, I don't see why they wouldn't take Trevor Lawrence. And they have, like, a new regime coming in. They're going to have a new coach, a new GM, everything new, uh, a lot of cap space. So why not start off with the the biggest prospect in the last uh, 10 years probably? So it doesn't make sense for them not to go with Trevor Lawrence. And for Justin Fields, he would have had to play, like, one of the greatest games of all time to have been the number one pick. And even then it still would have been a long shot. I mostly do agree that Fields couldn't have done a lot. However, I do look back to last year's draft because coming into the year, you did not have Joe Burrow as the projected number one pick, but he played so well and had an amazing season and played himself into the national championship spot, won the national championship and a lot of stuff changed because he got a lot of recognition and won the Heisman as well. And even though Justin Fields didn't win the Heisman and he had a shortened COVID season, uh, I think that he could have honestly played into that number one spot yesterday. He would have had to beat in Alabama by a lot because Alabama is basically an NFL team. And in order to jump one of the highest rated quarterback prospects in the last couple of decades – probably since Elway, then you have to do a lot. And I also think that his supporting cast was not necessarily suited, even though his, his running back is crazy. I think that kind of his pieces around him compared with the Alabama team were not really suited for this game. And I think it's unfair because as CJ said, Trevor Lawrence is so highly rated, but I also think it's unfair because 
if he would have played great, Jacksonville is the type of team that would have caved to public pressure and would have been taking what the fans wanted instead of what they really thought because they've not really been a very good statistically oriented team. However, I do agree that the new regime, maybe it, if it is or Meyer, if it isn't, uh, would still probably go with Lawrence at number one pick. You don't think that um, that if they brought in Urban Meyer, that wouldn't have any effect on who they're picking, considering that he like recruited him or brought mm. him in? I, I mean, I think with with Meyer, it's also that you, you have to look at like I think it's really been Ryan Day who's been coaching him, and even though Ryan Day and Urban Meyer are practically the same human being based on the like coach the coaching because he's a disciple of him, I still think that Urban. He's not really had that chance in the NFL before, and it's a much different game. And I really think you just want the best players in the NFL, and it's it's less about, like, scheme fit when it comes to a quarterback. And, like, he – like, Trevor Lawrence is literally just quarterback god for people who are analyzing, like, height, great, weight, great, arm strength, great, accuracy, great, mobility, great, toughness, great, and – Fields has a little bit less height. Um, I think that his – not his accuracy, but his overall passing game has been questionable at times. You know, he's really good at moving the pocket and getting out and making plays. Uh, I just think that Lawrence is more of a surefire thing, and I think Meyer would have had that. Um, yeah. CJ, do you agree? I can understand the uh, Ohio State connection where maybe if Urban Meyer gets the job with the Jags, he looks towards Fields, an Ohio State guy that he recruited. I, I could see that maybe. But once again, Trevor Lawrence is just that great of a prospect that it's hard for someone to say no. Like, um, it's it's almost a no-brainer, or it is a no-brainer. Like, you, you take the best guy on the board. Like, if there's anybody in the draft or in the last few drafts who's been uh, – a surefire NFL quarterback who you know is going to produce, it's it's probably Trevor Lawrence. He has the best uh, chance. Like when Luck came in, he came in and made an instant change, and I think that that's the kind of guy that Trevor Lawrence can be. Uh, with Fields, it's it's a lot more questions. Like Jack said, it, his passing game is, uh, you know, it's a little off and on. He's not really consistent. Like starting off this year, I understand that it was a COVID, uh, a COVID-shortened season, but – he still had a lot of games where he left a lot to be desired and he didn't really turn it on until it got about a week before the college football playoff. So yes, he beat Trevor Lawrence, but in the end, I don't think there was much he could have done. And Trevor Lawrence is still the number one pick. All right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I agree with you both. Uh, I don't think he did enough, but it's unlikely that anyone would pick him above Lawrence. Okay, so moving on to question two. After last night's astounding performance, uh, who are you? Who are you picking if you're a GM uh, and you need a wide receiver, Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase, or you know a wild card pick if you're feeling a little interesting? Hmm. Uh, I will take this one because my football team that I support currently has the sixth overall pick in the draft and one of our most glaring needs is wide receiver. I don't think we're going to go that way. The funny thing about wide receivers is it's one of the positions in the NFL that's kind of least associated with fit and most associated with talent because 
yes, you do need different types of wide receivers out there, but like the two top wide receivers in this draft can basically do anything. Devonte Smith is a beast. And he's basically made Mac Jones from a fifth round pick into a second round pick. And I, I think that he's insane with his just overall speed and the lengthiness and the, but what I do think as a GM looking at these wide receivers, if you look in the past couple of years that have come out and been great, I mean, DK is the best example. And I think Jamar Chase is kind of DK and the way he is, is like, it's a man like Devonte Smith is the slim reaper. Cause he's like, there's no, he's, he's skinny as hell. And I think that Jamar Chase is just an overall, overall, just like insane build. Although I do think that winning the Heisman over a player that didn't play football this year is definitely going to have an impact on your draft stock. And even if you go crazy in the combine, like rugs went insane and he got drafted 13th. So I mean, I think that in terms of positioning, I would probably take Jamar Chase first, but I still think they're both insane. Um, for me, I'm I. You got to go a recency bias, and I think Devontae Smith is probably going to get drafted before him. It's it's just I'm probably taking Devontae Smith. Uh, he's shown me more. And, yes, Jamar Chase didn't play this year, so, like, there's nothing to go off of besides last year. But Devontae Smith, he's a game changer. He, he takes over games. Just like last night, like, he, he takes over games. I think he had, what, three touchdowns in the first half? Like, that that's ridiculous. That's, that's ridiculous to have three touchdowns in the first half in the national championship game, the biggest game in college football. And he had three touchdowns in the first half. So I'm ta- I'm probably taking Devontae Smith. Yeah, they call him a slim reaper, and he's, like, you know, a little slim build, but he's muscle. He has a lot of muscle. He's a strong player. He- he'll climb the ladder. He'll get the ball. He plays through injuries. Like, he's he's durable. He has the speed. And the one thing I will say about Alabama receivers just as a whole, when they're coming out, they're – they're ready to play. There's, that's a school where you get somebody from Alabama, no matter what, what round, no matter uh, what position. They may not be the best player, but they're going to be ready to play. They're going to be ready to go. And Devontae Smith is definitely ready to go. Look at uh, Jerry Judy last year. Uh, uh, even going back to guys like Julio Jones, um, the receivers Ridley. from Alabama are usually, yeah, Ridley, finally, finally playing at what a lot of people expected him to be when he first came in the league. Like, as a whole, Alabama receivers come into the league and they're just ready to play. They're just – that's that's an NFL university. Yeah. I, I also think that wild card, if we're talking – I think the most wild card besides those two who are pretty much the t- consensus top is Jalen Waddle. But my the problem with him was that, like, this – bro, I think this – a broken foot is usually not, like, a giant deal, but – as a wide receiver, if you don't rehab correctly from a broken foot, it could not be good for you in the future. And I, I really just want him to take his time and rehab and not overextend himself. But I definitely think he has a chance of going, maybe not before those two, but definitely in the top 15, just because of the overall, like just the talent. It's not even that a lot of teams have a need for wide receiver, even though teams do. Like I'd say Miami and Philly are probably the biggest glaring needs a wide receiver that I can recognize. 
and Jacksonville, obviously, but they need everything. But I think that Waddle brings also just game-breaking speed because, like, he's also, like, a punt returner and kick returner, too, and he, he brings that to a team kind of a lot like uh, somebody like Ruggs. And, yeah. So – uh, going going to Waddle as well as um as well as CJ's point about the recency bias um just a thought do you think that Waddle's stock increases because of like the second fiddle role he played to Devonte Smith this year and how um, Jamar Chase kind of took over for Justin Jefferson who just balled this year like do you think that has something to do with it or like oh he's gonna be a god like like Justin Jefferson and then they take him like eleventh. Yeah, I would look at it that way, too. But uh, just based on the teams, uh, if I'm like the Dolphins, I'm probably taking Devontae Smith. As as long as they have Tua, it makes sense. Like, as far as chemistry, like, you're going to get a guy who comes in and it's not often that you get somebody who comes in from college and then the next year you go and take his receiver from college. Like, that's that's uh, probably the best fit. And I know for wide receivers, it's not really about you know, the fit so much. It's more about the better player. And I do think that Jamar Chase long-term is probably going to, he's probably going to come into the league, maybe, maybe even instantly come into the league and be as good as Justin Jefferson was. Cause as, as we've seen the last few years, LSU receivers are just for some, I don't know what they're doing, but they're just a lot better than everybody else. Like they're just Jarvis? ridiculous. The Jarvis LSU receivers, yeah. Jarvis Odell, up this year. Justin Jefferson, like yeah, they're as as a whole. The LSU receivers have been very good. They've been very, they've been better than most receivers. They don't have a, an abundance in the league, like like mm-hmm. a, um like in Alabama. But as far as guys who come in and produce, if you're the number one guy at LSU or even the number two guy, you're they usually do very well in the NFL. So Odell Jamar wasn't Chase even the number one guy, right? Next year. Odell wasn't the number one guy, right? No, at LSU? Not. He wasn't. There you go. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, that, you're definitely right. That's all the money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't even have to be the number one guy there. If you could be a number two guy, number three guy, wide receivers there, just – if you can play for LSU, you're, you're a pretty good wide receiver. Uh, moving on to question three. This is a little bit of an opinionated question, but it's fine. Uh, so give me who's, who's winning the Super Bowl out of the six remaining teams, why, as well as who they're meeting there. After last week, or last weekend, Super, uh, Super Wild Card weekend, um, I'm going with the Ravens. I, I think the Ravens have the best chance in the AFC to go to the Super Bowl and then win the Super Bowl. And then for the NFC, I don't think anybody, I don't care if Tom Brady's, you know, playoff God and he's – just great in the postseason. After what I saw against Washington, I don't think that the Buccaneers are going to make it past the Saints. And if they do, you know, they're not making it past the Packers. Um, they just – I don't know. They're missing a lot. Their defense, their secondary is not as good as the rest of their defense. Their um, their linebacker core is very good with De- uh, Devin White coming back and Levante David. But their secondary is very, very, very bad. Or just young. They're not bad. They're just very young and they're inexperienced, which is why Washington had had them on the ropes for a while. If they had a better quarterback, they probably would have won that game. So in the NFC, I'm taking the Packers because Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind right now. And I'm taking the Ravens in the AFC. And I think the Ravens win the Super Bowl if they make it because 
as good as Aaron Rodgers is and the great year he's having, that Ravens team, their defense is very good. And unlike most running teams, they score a lot of points running the ball. They're not just running the ball to run the clock out or to keep uh, keep time of possession and stuff like that. They're running the score. So I'm taking the Ravens to win the Super Bowl. In terms of my Super Bowl winner, I am going to go with the Buffalo Bills. I think the Bills are an insane team. And even though the AFC East is kind of stacked this year, the Bills' path right now, I believe, is they get to play the Baltimore Ravens uh, this weekend. And I think they match up quite well against that team because even though the Ravens defend the run pretty well, uh, Buffalo is a team that does not have to run the ball to win the game because they're not very reliant on play action passing in order to like open up because they have like these really insane kind of like underrated receivers. I mean, not Stefan Diggs anymore, but Stefan, they've got Cole Beasley, who kind of is just the guy who catches like 10 yard passes and then just moves the game along. And then John Brown, who kind of everybody forgets about. And my, one of my most underrated players in the NFL this year, Gabriel Davis is killing it this year and not a lot of people are taking notice and i think that they have to just like in order to focus on those four receivers at the same time even though uh, like there are teams in the afc that have good uh corner like corners in general and good secondaries i don't think the Ravens are gonna be able to shut them down completely and then i the chiefs have like luxurious sneed covering stefan diggs have fun that's gonna be a great game but i i that's that's gonna be a high offensive scoring game but and then in the nfc I would pick the Packers, but I have watched them throw away games this year to bad teams. And I'm really thinking that if they play down their competition once or twice, like they almost lost to the Eagles, man. I'm an Eagles fan. We were trash this year. And if you almost lose to us, that is that's not a good thing. That's why the Steelers lost. They almost lost to us. But um, yeah, I think in the NFC, I, I actually would, I'm going to go with the Rams. As surprising as that is, because the golf looks like he's throwing on like four fingers. I think the Rams defense is just not even funny how good it is. And it's kind of going to be like a, a Jaguars 2017 type team in the playoffs, but that works. Defense wins you championships. And this time defense is going to get you to Super Bowl, and you're going to lose to the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. That's um. That's a bold prediction, but I like that Rams pick. I like that Rams pick. Yeah. I mean, I can see it, but um, also Donald might not be playing, so that this might be the end of their run. They're playing the Packers, and if Donald's not ready, uh, I don't think it matters. Like, I, I think Rams is the best cornerback in the league, and it doesn't matter how good he is if the rest of the defense is is not up to it, and Aaron Donald is the rest of that defense. But but no, 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 let me tell you something. Even though Ramsey is the best corner in the league, and I will admit, Donald not being there has a big impact because Donald draws a double team every time from a lineman. I think that Brockers is severely underrated, and I think that he could go to work even on that, like on a bunch of O-lines in the NFC. And then I think you look back into the backfield, you have uh, Hill, who's, in, who's a kind of zany uh, safety, uh, Josh Hill, who I like a lot. Uh, they they have like a bunch of like low key guys in the secondary who can still come up with big plays on offense. Even though Goff is like bad, like Cooper Cup's still a beast. I hope he's he actually. I think he got banged up last game. I hope he's still playing. Woods is he inconsistent got, he got hurt too. Woods is inconsistent, but he's still fine. Van Jefferson, I've been high on all year from Florida. He's been playing okay. 
Uh, he can hopefully he can step up. I don't know. It's it's asking a lot of them, but I think if Donald is able to tough it out and he'll still draw a double team even with like it looked like he had a punctured lung. But I I, I don't know. We'll see. But I do like your your uh, pick, right. CJ. I think the Ravens have a very interesting defense. I think I honestly just think it comes down to like um like that Bills game. I don't know. I feel like just matchup wise. The Bills match up really well with the Ravens. If the Steelers would have won against the Browns, which I knew they wouldn't because they're Steelers, um, I think they would have had the then the the Ravens would have had to play the Chiefs, and then the Steelers would have played the Bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been the worst matchup possible for the Ravens at that point. I feel like the Ravens in the AFC Championship versus the Chiefs is a better game than maybe the Ravens versus the Chiefs after playing the Titans. Like, I, I just feel like as far as, like, momentum goes and everything, it's better from the play them in the AFC Championship. And the Bills match up well. The Bills can't stop the run. They can't stop the run. And the Ravens are a running monster. Like, don't talk about Derrick Henry. Like, as a team, the 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 Ravens are Derrick Henry times two. Like, they run for so many yards and they score. Like, it's not often that you see somebody who can run for so many yards and still score. They can play a game where they can put up, like – 25 30 points running the ball the way they run it so i feel like mm. they can hang with the, the bills the bills have to be able to outscore them and that defense won't allow that you mm. have marlon humphrey who's a number one cornerback and then peters who's a number one cornerback and they have what jimmy smith uh, uh a few extra guys in there and then the, the back end is good like as far as uh, entire defense i think uh in the afc they they have the best defense out of the teams left. So defense is going to play a big role. And then Lamar has to protect the ball and, you know, make smart decisions, uh, you know, and not throw interceptions in the first quarter and make it 10-zip. But that's that's that'll be the recipe for them to win. Yeah, I think both of you get a round of applause. That was some that was some very good arguments. Um I think. Like, I don't know. I think the Rams have a very difficult path to the Super Bowl, but they could make it. Uh, but I also think it's the same thing with the Ravens. I think I think both of them, as long as they get hot in this game, could definitely make it. Like, they're going to need a good performance to get past this, whoever they're – whichever team they're playing. Um, and when they get past that team, I think they can roll to the Super Bowl. Um all right, so moving on to the next question. Uh, what player, coach, or team in general has undergone the most surprising change in terms of either progression or regression this year? I don't know. Honestly, in, in terms of change, I would probably have to go with the team in general of the Miami Dolphins, even though they didn't make the playoffs even though a lot of t- people were hot on them coming into the year, I think they actually outperformed a lot of people's expectations of them. And they were able to kind of uh, keep t- – they were in games with, like, the Chiefs and some of the best teams in the NFL with rosters that didn't look as good. Although I will say that last year I think they had some foundations of a good defense, but they didn't have all the pieces. And they've shown – that they can stockpile draft picks and still have a lot of talent at the same time. Like bringing in Kyle Van Noy and Byron Jones as just like veteran pieces to teach people 
And those people aren't even the best players on their teams, even though they brought them in for big money, but they've still made an impact on the culture. Like we've seen Xavier Howard step it up even more, even though he's ridiculous. And then like the D line, like Hayes and then um, Christian Wilkins, they're both killing it. And then I, I think that uh, Bobby McCain's underrated safety and they, they all kind of play as a unit. And it's really good for me to see because I, when the Dolphins are good, I'm happy. They're a team that's like had a lot of mid tier success. Like they've never been great in my lifetime. And I've just always wanted to see them succeed. And yeah, that it's, it's happy for me that they're winning and they, they've definitely proved a lot. I do think the Tua issue is an issue. And if you can trade for Watson, make the trade. Cause that's, that would be ridiculous if they could get the best. I, I think, one of the best or the best quarterbacks in the league. I think he's definitely top like three or five, but they, yeah, I, I think that they're the, they have outperformed their expectations. This surprised me. I'm going to go with regression. I'm going to go with a regression. I was surprised this year that the Patriots were as bad as they were. Now to a lot of people, it's like, Oh, you know, I guess they were, they're bad for a Patriots. Like a lot of teams would take that year and be like, wow, we got better. Because, you know, they they left a lot to be desired, just like, as far as the Patriots go. Like, you expect the Patriots to be one or two seed, uh, cruising into the playoffs. And if they're not an AFC championship, then they, they, that's just all fear. Um, I did I did think it would be a lot harder without Tom Brady because Tom Brady is one of those guys who does, – it doesn't matter who's on the offense with him. You can put anybody in there, and he'll make them he'll, – he'll make them better. And I feel like Cam's not that type, he's not that type of guy where if you just look through his career, he succeeded the most when he had a, a decent receiver with him. And the Patriots don't have that. And they don't have a running game either. Even the year that they went 15-1, I believe the running back was Jonathan Stewart. And he had 1,000 yards that year. He was having a, a pretty good year. And you had uh, Kelvin Benjamin, who's a big, a big receiver, who can go get the ball. And maybe had uh, Kelvin Benjamin stayed on the right track, maybe Cam's still in Carolina. And maybe they're still doing uh, good things. But I just never I, – I rooted for Cam because I thought that maybe Belichick would help him out and something, something would click for him. But as far as a fit, it wasn't a good fit for either one of them. And I was surprised that they regressed so much. The defense was bad. Like uh, they had a lot of guys uh, sit because of COVID. So as far as regression, it's still surprising. Even with all the stuff you look around and it kind of makes sense. It's still very surprising that Belichick couldn't figure it out. Um, so earlier in the year, Belichick, uh, he he was asked by the media, like, just what what's the reason for their fall off, um, or like a fall off for what the Patriots were, and um, and he said that he said something along the lines of uh, the Patriots have been selling out for the past couple of years and they've kind of been mortgaging their future and now all the balls have dropped, um. But then uh, in response to that, the media kind of labeled him or labeled that as kind of a cop out and him just saying, well, we're bad. This is why we're bad. Um, Just uh, kind of avoiding the question and putting blame upon his his players and his staff. Um, Do you agree or do you think that they have a legitimate reason to be bad and just that it's a transition year from arguably the greatest quarterback of all time to Jarrett 
Stidham. So, <laughs> uh, I uh, I think hold, I think it's actually I I don't think it's surprising at all that they had a regression in a way, and I think that the mortgage in the future question is so valid because what they've been doing for a long time is not even just uh not even just mortgaging their future in general by just uh keeping the salary cap at like a high level. It's just that they've been trading draft picks too for players late in years, like trading a second round pick from Mohamed Sanu to cut him like five weeks later. And then like it, the, all these moves that they make for win now purposes have kind of come home to roost. And I, I also think that their scouting department is really based on future potential. Cause that's how they've always kind of drafted. And when you draft a rookie class, a lot of the picks were like, more understudies than ready to play now is like Kyle Duggar out of Lenore Ryan in the second round. Like he was, he's a good safety and he has really good attributes, but he was not, he came from a very small school. And I think what they wanted him to do was sit behind the McCourty brothers and be like, Hey, teach me stuff. And then they teach him stuff. But what ended up happening was because of all these opt-outs, he ended up starting and he was fine. But I, he like they, they weren't the caliber of players that Belichick usually has in his system. And I think that this year was necessary because let's be honest, if Belichick's going to stay there, and a lot of people don't think he will, but if he's going to, he's going to need more players to develop under him. And he, in a regular season when they're winning 11, they're 11 and five, these players – he only has time to develop a couple of them because you have to have a lot of other veterans in your system. And I think now he's going to build the foundation and hopefully they find a tight end. Cause if Tom Izzo's the tight end next year, God damn, they are doing a terrible job. I feel like it's kind of uh, a 50 50 where I feel like actually, no, I think it's more than 50 50. I probably say 70 30 Belichick has never built his team through the draft. It's never been a team where they build like, oh, we're going to take the top. We're going to trade up and get the top prospect or we're going to take the best guy on the board. No, they they run their their uh, team more like a, a business, like their organization as a business. Like they sign guys to one year deals and it's like, OK, we're going to go. Get, we're going to go get a Super Bowl ring and then you go get your money somewhere else. Like, I feel like that's how they run it. And this year with all the covid and, you know, not being able to all the, the deals and stuff like that and just. As a team, like, Tom Brady was a good selling point. Like, you're going to go play with Tom Brady. Like, uh, they were able to attract more free agents. But that's the that's also the Belichick's fault because he decided to build through free agency and not so much through the draft because his draft picks have never been really good. Like, they took uh, Nikhil Harry in the first round, and he's probably not going to be there next year in two years. And, it, like, that's ridiculous. Like, you draft somebody in the first round and – they're not even gonna be on your team after two years of playing for you. Like I feel like Belichick's not doing a good job drafting. But on the on the other side, he's never been able to. It's never been what his team has been about. He doesn't he doesn't get some young guy who does it. Obviously, aside from Tom Brady, like you're not getting a young guy who just comes in and and does everything that you expect of him. He brings veterans in who understand the game and have experience, and he doesn't have to teach them so much. It's more just go play football. So I feel like. If they want to get back on the right track, it has to be through go get – if you want to keep Cam or if you want to go to Stidham, then you have to you have to be able to build – you have to be able to work with whatever you have. You build with Stidham, you have to build through the draft. If you stay with Cam, you have to give them betterments who are ready to play. I'm going to just quickly say two things. One, Stephon Gilmore sucked this year. Two, go get Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm done. 
Right. I mean, you're saying Stephon Gilmore sucked this year. Not just this year, but last year too. Jimmy Garoppolo has not shown himself to be like the franchise quarterback that I think Kyle Shanahan hoped he had when he offered him like $7 billion to stay there for three years. Like, <laughs> like Jimmy Garoppolo has probably – he's been a pretty big disappointment. That contract looks pretty good now. Twenty, what you get paid? Twenty-two million dollars a year. Now everybody's getting paid forty something. Like that. That I contract mean, looks pretty nice. That's true, but it's like Carson Wentz is getting paid twenty-two million to sit on the bench, and so is Jimmy. He's Rambo. getting paid forty. All right, well, <laughs> he's getting paid forty. <laughs> how we yeah, run? Um, and how don't we remind me. Don't remind um, me. All right. So next question. Uh, so give me your breakdown of the winners of uh, at least what I would think of as the big three uh, in-season awards. You got MVP, Coach of the Year, and Comeback Player of the Year. Uh, wow. Uh, let me start with MVP. Um, last time I was on, I said Russ was my MVP. I thought Russell Wilson would finally get it together. This is his chance. Um, but – you know, that didn't happen. He he didn't make it happen for me. Uh, I don't know what happened. He was burning a lot of stuff in the kitchen. You know, they're letting them cook too much. Stuff happens. Obviously, a clear-cut MVP at this point. I would say by about by, – actually, maybe a week after Devontae Adams came back and was finally at full speed, Aaron Rodgers was the MVP. Like, Mahomes might have had to lead on him, well, you know, to the odds makers, but – Rogers was the MVP at that point. Um, it's not really much you can argue, especially with Mahomes having that game he did against the Dolphins, which also is credit to the Dolphins being a really good team. But he had a, a very poor performance, and they found a way to pull it out. But as far as numbers go, as far as just highlight reel, like Aaron Rodgers had a great year, and he's going to be the MVP. To go to coach of the year – I'm saying Brian Flores. It's got to be Brian Flores. He's building a great culture there. He's off the Belichick tree, so it makes sense that he's building a nice system, a nice culture in Miami. Uh, I feel like for years to come, they're going to be at worst seven-win, eight-win team. They're always going to be in playoff contention for the next few years to come, especially with building around Tua. And maybe I would have said Tomlin had they pulled it out and finished the year, but they fell apart in the end. And um, – Comeback player of the year is a no-brainer. It was Alex Smith. I said it. To my, I, I said it once he once he was able to even come back and practice. I'm like, he's coming back player of the year. Like there was no way that anybody could have done what he did, to, like to even rival it. Like I guess uh, maybe Big Ben. If Big Ben came back and like set a passing record, maybe he could have uh, beat Alex Smith out for comeback player of the year. But Alex Smith almost died from his injuries. So like. Him coming back and being able to just practice and just be in a facility was going to make him come back, uh, come back player of the year. Yeah. So in terms of MVP, uh, I think that this has been one of those weird years because I think in years past for the MVP award, you have a lot of uh, public praise for players going into like the end of the season where it was like, I remember last year, Lamar's game versus the Jets where the Ravens put up like 60 points and like destroyed them. Everybody was like, this is his MVP game. And he was like balling out. And that's how you kind of knew. But I don't really think there's been that 
for like any player this year in terms of like an MVP game. I think that there have been like overall seasons, but everybody's had their drop-offs. There's not been a clear cut guy, but I think you got to look at the top as Mahomes and Rogers. And even though Mahomes did bring more team success as, as said, I think that it wasn't even those worst games. It's, I just think that even though the Packers do it a lot too, I just think the Chiefs played down to their competition more le- than they should have this year as a team in general. And I don't think it was really a, like a good thing for Mahomes and his MVP consideration. So, yeah, I would pick Rodgers as well. In terms of coach of the year, I think I'd differ from you, CJ. I'd go with Kevin Stefanski because, to be honest, the Browns have looked – amazing and they have basically the same exact roster that they had last year except and this is a big except their o-line is a lot better because conklin is really solid he's worth the money they paid him and jedrick wills for a lot of season was playing really nice and to have those two tackle spots certified and also wyatt teller and joel batonio as your guards that's four of the five offensive line positions that are basically almost all pros i think they all all of them besides wills and uh I think Conklin might have made the All-Pro team too. I think a lot. No, I don't think Conklin did. But Teller did. Teller made All-Pro second, and I think Batonio did too. So just having those guards, and also Teller in the Steelers game was insane in terms of his run blocking. But they, they're they certified, and they're great. And then the whole team is able to work better. And even though the wide receivers aren't great, Stefanski is able to put Baker into a system where he's able to make throws that he wasn't able to last year. And that's an improvement. And he's able to also use the run game more, obviously, with Chubb and, with Chubb and Hunt. And he's galvanized that whole team. To, he's brought Cleveland back from the dead. And that's great to see. And then in terms of comeback player of the year, you know what? I think everybody knows comeback player of the year is Alex Smith. Because let's be honest, the NFL media is all about the storyline. And that was the storyline. It was the OG one. If Bleacher Report's posting about it every weekend, then it's the storyline. I'm actually going to call most improved player of the year instead, just really quickly. I would just like to point out that Stefan Diggs upped his game a lot. And I don't think he's only most improved because he was the passing leader and he's been really good in his career. But I think that when moving to Buffalo, a lot of people had questions about him. They said, Buffalo, you traded this pretty big package for a guy who's been a number two receiver his whole career. And they didn't really know if he could step up and be that guy. And in a place of Buffalo, doesn't really it didn't really have a dominating wide receiver. And he just went in there and just tore it up. Yeah, I don't know, Maryland pride. Do you think? Um, you think that idea of like storylines plays into it though? And like Diggs wouldn't win it because if if Diggs gets traded to Buffalo, and then the picks that the Vic- and the Vikings use their pick on. Sorry to pick on you, Jack, but they used it on Jalen Rager. Um, that would be uh, less of a – it would just show kind of the um, the absurd uh, package that they took for the best receiver in the league this year. Um, and But I think, like, the success of Justin Jefferson might lessen the uh, – the ground between him and Diggs, and in doing so, like lessen his case for uh, most improved. Um, do you share? Like, is that something you feel as well? And I, no matter what the answer is, totally fine. But just wondering. I, I just want to say that, like, 
All I got to say is I cannot remember the last time a fifth-round pick won, like, got the most wide receiving yards in the season or receiving sure. yards. I can't remember the last time that happened. Tony Brown was a sixth-round pick. Who? Tony Brown, A.B. Oh. Six-round pick. Bizzle, yeah. <laughs> we, we're not going to go into Antonio Brown's history right now, so <laughs> let's move on. Uh, yeah. That's a slippery slope. All right. Uh, so moving on to the next question. Uh, so what is the best head coaching vacancy in football? And what top head coach candidate do you think could fit in the best? And just a, a reminder of who, where the vacancies are. It's the Eagles, the Jaguars, the Chargers, the Jets, the Falcons, the Lions, and the Texans. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Jaguars. I'm going to say the Jaguars. The Jaguars have the number one pick. They have the most cap space. What I will say, and yes, it was because of the, the players they had, but they're not that far removed from being a good team. They were just in the AFC Championship. That was 2016. So this is not – they're not that far removed from being, uh, I guess, a winning culture, like if you want to say that. They have a lot of work to do. And – if they do hire Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer is a college football guy. So building something is not like something that he's like, it's new for him. So building a culture, building a, a, a foundation is not going to be something new for him. And whoever they get, I would hope it's somebody who can build a foundation like uh, Robert Sala from the uh, 49ers, who's a uh, head coach candidate, or even Eric Bieniemy. Uh I'm going to say the Jaguars, they have number one pick. They have lots of cap space and they're going to be, they're going to be a hot uh, free agent spot because a lot of people are going to want, if they go draft Trevor Lawrence, a lot of people are going to want to go play with him. A lot of people are going to be attracted to Trevor Lawrence. So I wouldn't be surprised if they get a lot of guys who people, you know, say, wow, maybe, maybe Allen Robinson, you know, he's a free agent. Maybe he wants to go play with a good quarterback. He goes back to Jacksonville. You never know. I, 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 here's the thing. I think that Jacksonville is actually like quite enticing, but at the same time as a team that would need to bring in free agents in order to succeed, when you tell a free agent, they're going to live in Jacksonville, Florida. That's not great. Cause it's a terrible place in my mind. I'm sorry for Jacksonville listeners, but I would also like to say if they are honest and tell their players, you will be playing in London in two years. I think they might think a different way. So I, I don't know if, if, if they start to churn the franchise and move it to that big money place, then I think Jacksonville's going to be amazing to go to. But at the moment, in terms of being a head coach, having a build in that place is hard. So I am actually going to go with a little bit of an unorthodox place. I'm going to go to Detroit because you are building a culture in Detroit. However, owners and, and it's a, big place where everybody fails and there might be a curse on that place. And maybe when the owner who's like 90, whatever dies, then maybe that's going to change. Maybe when whatever her name Ford dies. But I think that you have a lot of very interesting young talents along the offense and the defense. I think that even though Stafford's probably going to be gone, you can start to build with another quarterback and that, uh, that offense isn't even terrible. That's the thing. Like Galladay is a baller and they got, um, 
Quintez Cephas out of Wisconsin, who played big, big, big minutes this year. And running back, DeAndre Swift's looked great, even though he's had some bad moments. And Carrion Johnson's always great. Their O-line's not terrible. It's not great, but it's not terrible. And then on their defense, their defense needs some work, man. I got to be honest. But if they bring in a guy like Sala and they draft a certain way, and they let's say they get uh, Micah Parsons to solidify the line, who can do a lot to solidify in that defense. And then they get uh, some other corners and they need a whole secondary. But I think it, that's a multiple year job, but that's a job that has the chance to go big. See, CJ, what do you think about like some of the other places in the league? Like, what do you think about Atlanta right now? If, if Raheem Morris it leaves and they they try to attract some new people, I, I honestly I don't I don't think Atlanta's gonna be a good spot. What I what I do think though, if Atlanta got a guy like somehow Justin Fields drops, they get like the Justin Fields or or I don't even know who they could draft that would make them a good free agent spot. I just feel like the Falcons right now have to just be prepared to go back to the basement. Like they just have to be prepared to to take this L and maybe the only other team I would say, and it sucks to say as a Raiders fan is the chargers. But I just feel like as an organization, organization wise, it's not even about what they have on the field because they have a very good defense and they have a very good quarterback. They, they have a good running back. Their team is very good. The reason they can never be better than what they should be or what they are is because their organization is just that bad. The owner's bad. The GM's bad. The head coach is always bad. No matter who's the quarterback, no matter who's on the defense, because they've had some very good defenses over the past few years. And they had some very good offenses. There were times where they were like the number one offense in the league, number one defense in the league. They just, as an organization, aren't good. And that's the reason why their team has never been able to succeed. I just want to quickly say, even though some of the moves they've made are bad, the Chargers have drafted extremely well in the past few years. Like Derwin James dropping to them, that's an all pro player besides the injuries. The injuries suck. Bosa, yeah. as high as they drafted him, the turnout, I know they got they paid him this big contract. He had a fine year this year, but the team was bad in general. I think they just need to do a better job of attracting other players that are not drafted. And if they can do that, and but I think that, that franchise is cursed. I, I, I have tried to believe they can be a good team so many times. They are cursed. They can't win. So I, as a head coach, I don't want to go there. I guess uh, if we look at one more, uh, I'd go Jaguars one, Chargers two, and then three, Eagles. Obviously the Eagles. Um, of all the teams on the list, the Eagles have the best – they have the best situation – as far as whoever comes in, you get to choose. There's not a lot of teams that – or there aren't any teams that you can go and you can choose two – you can choose from two starting quarterbacks, two starting caliber quarterbacks. But I would I would go with Hurts, and the Eagles spot would be a good spot to uh, to go coach for. I don't know how we ended up talking about the Eagles. We saw it. <laughs> All right. JT? All right. So, uh, this one's a pretty simple one. Uh What's the game of the year? Chiefs Dolphins. I, I watched that game. Chiefs Dolphins was a insane game. 
because this is how it started and how shocked I was that the, the Dolphins were like massacring Patrick Mahomes and then how the Chiefs kind of were able to do their thing and come back, even though I've watched it so many times. It's just the Dolphins put up such a good fight. And going in that game, I think everybody kind of picked the Chiefs. And even though some of the betters were like, Dolphins all the way, it's like they're, they're just looking at the line. They don't really care about win or loss. But it was just a great game overall in general. And I don't, I don't like the whole thing of like a high-scoring game necessarily. I'm not really down with that. And like if, if a game is like 50 to 50, I'd rather watch a 27 to 27 game with good defense played. And I think that's what around the finish was. I think it was like what 30 to 27 the Dolphins Chiefs game. So I mm-hmm. like, yeah, that that's one. That's my game of the year. Uh, just to talk about that game in general. It had everything. It had good defense. They had, uh, they forced what was it four interceptions or three interceptions on Mahomes? Uh, they had a comeback in that game where you thought like, oh, maybe the Dolphins will pull it out. It was a blowout at one point. The Chiefs did that. Uh, the offense was great. Like, special teams was great. Everything was just, as a whole, it was a good game. I'd probably say the Browns-Ravens game, the last one at the end of the season, that was probably the, the game of the year for me. Uh, it was just seeing the Browns, it was it went down to the wire. It went down to the wire. You had Lamar go out the game and then come back. Like, it was it was like – it was a great game. It was a great game. Uh, Lamar played played amazing. Baker played amazing. Silenced a lot of critics. Um, the only thing that would have made it better for Baker was a win. Like, he played perfect. Like, he played his best game to me this year, aside from the way they just dismantled the Steelers. But up until that point, that was the best game of even his career. Like, he played well, and he showed that he can be a, a good quarterback and a franchise quarterback in the league. And – Lamar, same thing. Like they're they just prove that they're just that good of a team that it doesn't matter who's in front of them, they're gonna beat them. So I feel like that was the game of the year. I said it was simple. Uh I don't think that was a fair judgment because I like I don't know. When I was when I was thinking about this question, I was thinking the first thought that came to my mind was uh Bill's Cardinals. But was that really the best game? Or was it the best play? Like, it, I think it just gets hard when, it, with the criteria of, um, of what is the best game. And I think the way that both of you described it about, um, about how, like, seeing not just an offensive onslaught, but just, like, balanced play on both sides that brings out, like, a competitive game, but not just a scoring every play. Like, in the, in the Browns-Steelers game, even when that game got a little bit close, if the Browns score in 10 seconds every time, it's really not that fun of a game, um, unless you're a Browns fan. I think both of you definitely picked solid ones, and I- I'm happy that you shared your thought process because I, I think it could get difficult on what, what you consider the criteria of the best experience for football. So moving on to the eighth question. Does any team in the league need to blow it up and start over after this season? And if so, which one? Uh, I, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I think we need – and and I very rarely want to talk about the Eagles as a fan this year due to our ineptitudes. But I think that we're a team that, similar to the Patriots, has been trying to keep a win-now mentality ever since we won the Super Bowl. 
and we signed players to contracts and some of them were worth it. And some of them were not, which I think almost every team who wins the Super Bowl for the first time in a while does. And we've been dealing with the pain of a lot of those contracts. And then we've been also dealing with terrible drafting by Senora Howie Roseman and his abominably bad first round picks. It, it's just, it's affecting our franchise's morales and the direction he's putting the franchise in seems to be none. And I want to blow it up and start over. We've began the process. We fired our head coach yesterday. I thought it was a solid move, even though he brought us to a Super Bowl. But the next move is to fire Howie Roseman. It's got to be done within the next two weeks. He's on his fourth head coach in eight years, which is not tolerable. I think that he does free agency quite well. However, his ability to draft is suspect. And we've seen that even though he's done great in draft past, that as his VP of play, of operations, Joe Douglas goes to the Jets to be their general manager. Then one of his other understudies, Andrew Berry, goes to the Browns to be the general manager. We're starting to see the emperor in new clothes and those new clothes are terrible drafting. So I, 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 I'm, I'm done. Blow it up. Suck. Be the worst team in the league next year. I don't care. Um, a team I feel like uh, that would have to blow it up that I feel like is stuck in you know I guess you wouldn't say neutral I'd say the Patriots I'd say the Patriots I want to be biased and say the Raiders I really do I really want to say the Raiders but I'm going to go with the uh, the Patriots the Patriots should just blow it up and start over Um, like you said before I don't think Belichick should stay I don't think he has to stay He's brought you six Super Bowls, and he's kept you in the Super Bowl. You have been Super Bowl contenders for the last de- like few decades, like the two decades. Like it's been, it's been a really good run. To me, I think Belichick will leave, and I feel like you get a good coach and you you start something new. You start fresh. They have a lot that they have to build on. You can assume like okay, maybe next year their defense will be better, but that offense is horrible. That offense is not. It's not good. Their their offensive line is not consistent, consistently blocking. They don't know who their quarterback's going to be next year. Uh, they they do this running back by committee, which can work, but not with the players they have. You can't have a guy like Sony Michelle only get ten carries or less in a game. Like that's not going to help you. You can't have uh, Jacoby Myers be like their like leading rusher like that's not that's not how it's gonna work and they don't have a tight end they don't have even a a wide receiver that you can look at and say okay maybe he could be the guy they just as a team they don't look good I guess you want to say a Gunnar Olszewski like he's he's their their price spot but that's about it like I think they should blow it up and and start over I actually would like to say if you think that Belichick is gonna leave do you think he's going to retire or go somewhere else? Because right now I don't envision another team in the national football league, giving Bill Belichick the freedom to do what he wants. Like he has, because a lot of people don't know this, this man's also the GM and yeah. his contract. No one knows what it is. It's fully disclosed. There have been rumors about when his contract's up, when it isn't. He is one of the only head coach slash GM contracts that nobody knows the details of because this guy is, he's the smartest guy in the league and he's so secret and he wants to keep it all under wraps. So I think that 
you, I mean, yes, he is getting up in age too, which is something you definitely look at. I believe he is the second oldest coach in, and he's tied in age with Pete Carroll for the oldest coach in the NFL. And he's, but you also have to look at like, he's a football guy. Like he's one of those people I don't see really leaving football until he has to. This man would coach in a box if he, like in a box upstairs if he could. Like he, he's, yeah. he's, he's really, really just in it. And I think when it's time for him to go, he'll go. But I don't think it'll be because of contracts. I don't think it'll be because of the team. Like, I don't think if they go six and 10 next year with the same roster, they'll even fire him because they have so much respect for Bill Belichick. And there's no way Robert Kraft will let him leave without letting him leave on his own terms. And I think he thinks that too. I also think he has a weird future in TV if he maybe could try. Although that NFL top 100 series he did, that man was awkward the whole time. It didn't even seem like he wanted to be there. But he, he's just he's just so smart. He's just so, but he's smart as hell. So like, yeah. yeah. I like I, Belichick. I think he's a good guy. I think look, he's doing subway commercials now. He might be on his way out. He might finally be on his way out. He's talking to the media more. Like he he might this might be the end end for Belichick. Like um you know. For all those years, he was so secretive and focused on the grind and everything. And now, you know, Tom's gone. Like, that that whole thing fell apart. He's got his six rings. I guess the only thing he'd be chasing at this point is probably, like, the, the most wins. But that's about it. He's done everything that there is to do as far as the NFL head coach. So I wouldn't be surprised if anytime soon or in the next few years, either he's out of New England or – He's retired. So just a quick uh, just question about Belichick. Um, so after, say, Belichick's time comes, says he's done with coaching at least, do you think Kraft offers him a, a higher up position in the Patriots organization? Or is he like, I've been to the mountaintop and I'm completely done? And when Belichick leaves, uh, for the head coach, do they go in-house with like, Josh McDaniels, who's proven time and time again to be like crap at being a head coach, or maybe like Belichick's uh, son, who's actually pretty good, or do they like go get Patrick Graham from the Giants and go, or just recruit someone else to be the brainchild of the Patriots? Saban, Nick Saban, it's gotta be Nick Saban. <laughs> I also be interesting. I think it depends, though. I, I think it depends on, on your first question, like, do they go in-house or out? Because I think if Belichick's still in the organization, it will definitely be Steve Belichick as the head coach. Because that you're, you talk about a man who all he does is nepotism. Like, my man Bill, fr- he's friends with DT. He's friends with Donald Trump, even though he didn't accept the Medal of Freedom. Like, they're, they're nepotism cousins. They, 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 they think the same way. Donald Trump promotes his kids. He's been working Steve Belichick into this coaching staff for like 10 years now. And he's just sitting like sitting. I think right now he is the cornerbacks coach. I believe I think he's the safe. I think he's the, like the secondary coach. And I don't think he does a bad job because he's, he develops like good players and he keeps old players on that roster. But I, I just, I think if that were to happen, there would be a faction of Patriots fans that would be like, okay, at least Belichick's still in, in here. And if Steve Belichick doesn't work out, we'll get rid of him. But they might they might be stuck with Steve Belichick for a minute, which might not be good. Realistically, I think that Belichick's not one of those guys. He's a hands-on type of guy. Like, he's not going to just sit back, even as a GM right now, because he's the head coach and the GM. 
even as a GM right now, he's not a very good GM as far as drafting goes. And even when he trade like the Muhammad Sanu trade, um, he trades for Muhammad Sanu and doesn't get anything out of him and then cuts him. So now he's out of a second round pick. At least if he's out of a second round pick and Sanu is a good, even a serviceable number two receiver, like then it, the pick works out. Like it works out that he doesn't have that pick. But now he's out of a, a receiver and a number two, uh, the second round pick. So I think as a GM, Belichick doesn't do a very good job as far as the draft goes. And even with his trades, I feel like free agency, he kind of, I wouldn't say he lucks up, but because the Patriots are such a winning culture, people know that if they go there, they have a shot at the Super Bowl. When, when Tom Brady was there, they knew that they had a shot at the Super Bowl. So it was easier to get free agents and get better guys. Like you get a Stephon Gilmore and yes, they paid him big money, but I doubt that if they were a losing team that Stephon Gilmore would even look their way. So if Belichick decided or if Robert Kraft decided to try to bring him back, it would make sense to try to say, okay, just be a GM and we'll get a new head coach. But I don't think that Belichick would just sit by as a GM if the head coach is bad or if the team is bad. I don't think he could just sit by and be the GM. Like, I don't think that's the type of guy he is. So if he's going to be done with coaching, I feel like he's done with football too. I feel like that'll be like when he's done with just the football part of the NFL. Like he's, He's going to sit back and maybe go into broadcasting or whatever. We're all good. Uh, moving into the final question. If you had to build your team around any player from the 2017 draft, uh, Mahomes, Watson, McCaffrey, Miles Garrett. These, By the way, these aren't like the options. I'm just giving you a refresher if you don't remember. Oh. Um, Mahomes, Watson, McCaffrey, Miles Garrett the greatest quarterback of all time and recently crowned MV- first ever MVP. MVP! Uh, <laughs> Alan Kamara, the uh, uh, Lattimore, etc. cetera. Uh, what? Dalvin Cook. That's true. I would say, I would say that uh, maybe not Kamara, but I think McCaffrey is definitely better than Cook. But whatever. Okay. Uh, who would it be and why? Um. Okay. This is a tough one. This is a tough one because, you know, our recently crowned Nickelodeon uh, valuable player, it's it's hard to, you know, just look over that. It's one of the most prestigious awards in all of football. So it's hard to just say, okay, I'm not going to pick him. But no, realistically, I'm going to go with uh, – if, if I'm starting uh, a team and I have the number one pick and I can pick a guy, I'm gonna, I'm going to go with – I'm actually going to go with Watson instead of Mahomes more just because of what I would see in a team. Like I want a guy more like Watson. Mahomes is great and he's so clutch and what he does with the football is amazing. And like, I feel like he's like, it's like a one, one a type of thing. Like they're like neck and neck because I feel like Watson is, he can do just as many things with the football that Mahomes can do and everything that Mahomes can do better. Watson can do with his legs. And that's where I kind of put Watson a little bit above Mahomes is because of Watson's mobility. Mahomes is a good runner and he has the, the baseball skills where he can get out of harm's way and he has like that that lateral quickness. But as far as being able to, you know, if I want to run like a, a QB power or something like that, I'm going with Watson. I can run the read option with him. I can run RPOs. He's very good off the play action. And when the play breaks down, I know that he can either 
make the throw down the sideline, uh, rolling out the pocket or whatever, the same way Mahomes can. Or if not, the play breaks down and he'll run and use his legs. So with that, I'll probably say Watson over Mahomes. And everybody else, like McCaffrey's great, but where the league is now, it's so hard to build around a running back. Same thing with Kamara. Like it's like it's so it's so hard to build around a running back, no matter how good they are. Even what you see with the Titans, as good as Derrick Henry is, they can't do anything if they can't pass the ball. If they can't pass the ball and you saw it against the Ravens, then you're not gonna be a good team. So it always starts with the quarterback. Um, I think that as a GM and I was looking to grow my franchise. It, I think it would depend on my situation. Because honestly, if I had uh, a, like a solid or decent QB, I would definitely go with Miles Garrett. Because if you need to shore up a defensive line for eight years, there you go. That's that's it. Miles Garrett is a double team machine, and he is kind of just never really stopped being good even though last year was a wreck with the mason rudolph stuff like he's still insane like he came back this year and he performed at a high level as well and he he's i don't think he is a defensive player of the year but he's in consideration i think probably top three or four and from that draft he was probably one of the one of if not the best defensive player but I would go Watson too, but I would go Watson for a different reason. I it, Not even because of the intangibles, because I think they are actually similar players. I think that Watson's been able to do more with less in his career. And yes, he did have D-Hop, who is insane. But I mean, Tyree Kill's also a top five receiver in the league. And his tight end was Jordan Akins compared to Travis Kelsey. And then his O-line was not Laramie Tunsil and a bunch of scrubs and then Laramie Tunsil and a bunch of scrubs. So it's like, and, and Patrick Mahomes is like Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher's playing not bad. And you didn't Eric Fisher make the pro bowl this year, which is crazy. It's insane. I think he did. So like that, that's what I'm saying. Like Patrick Mahomes, I would like to see him on a team. I think he'd still ball, but I'd like to see him on a team with, like Brandon Cooks is your top guy or like just having to work with what think about it though. He had D hop and a bunch of good receivers last year and he still played well. And this year, Brandon Cooks, Kiki Kuti, and like, I don't know, Kenny Stills, then not Kenny Stills, then like, okay receivers. And he led the league in passing yards. It's ridiculous. And he, it's, if their defense was better, they would have made the playoffs this year. It was not his fault. It really wasn't. And if their offense was a little bit better too, it's just like, I don't know. I think Deshaun is ridiculous. And the fact that he's a little bit disgruntled in Houston, it's the Houston curse. There you go. That's what understandable. It's. it's very understandable. But yeah, that's all I have to, I do think Mahomes is like supremely talented and his vision is ridiculous. Mahomes is, uh, he's a Steph Curry of the NFL right now. It's, it's not that he's not good. It's just that he has so much good pieces around him that it's hard to really look at him alone because you don't know how good he really is. Like uh, Mahomes, we know Mahomes is great, but we don't know how great he would be if he doesn't have Travis Kelsey, who Travis Kelsey is, he's like a top 10 receiver as a tight end. Then you have Tyreek Hill, who's a top five receiver right now. Then you have like a great offensive line. You have a solid defense. And then you have, 
Le'Veon Bell, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, like you you have a good a good team around you. So it's hard to see like how good you really are. And I think Mahomes, if he played with the Texans, I think I think Watson's numbers this year show that he would be if he was playing with uh the Chiefs right now, I think they'd be in a better position, which is crazy to say as a number one seed. I think they'd be in a better position. Yeah, and they, 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 Mahomes and Curry both have that awkward rich boy swag where they're like, they've kind of been like, like a little bit preppy their whole lives. And then they, they come into a league, which is not based on that. And they just like, they're kind of really like, he, he's so awkward, man. Mahomes, like, it's crazy. (laughs) Like, that dude is like, it, his, I don't know. They, they're both very similar in that way, too, I would say. Like, whenever I see Steph Curry play golf, I'm like, oh, you are a lot different from a bunch of NBA players. Like, like you are you're, – you're not 55 and you're playing golf? Like, what? Like, I don't uh, – yeah, okay. That's all I'm going to say. Um, the question was a little bit, like, restrictive. Would you take Watson over any other player in the league? Like going forward, say you're an expansion team. You have zero players. This is your first player and pretty much your only good player. Who are you taking? Ultimate, like, goat forever. I mean, not really because you probably want to go with youth. Like, hey, you want to rock Tom Brady for one more year? Josh Allen. I'm going with Josh Allen. Really? Josh 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 Allen hasn't hit his ceiling yet. Yeah, but he's insane. And I think Deshaun is amazing, but I think he's hit his ceiling. I don't think he can go better than this. Well, okay. I, I get what you're saying. And I would say uh, you're seeing Watson right now. But if that's Watson's ceiling, I don't I don't think so. Because you put him on a team like, let's say, the 49ers, right? You put Watson on a team like the 49ers, or you put him on a team where he has pieces around him. And I'm saying if this is my expansion team, obviously I'm going to put pieces around him. I feel like Watson, Watson has a lot of room to grow. Watson is going to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback if he if he's in the right system. He's gonna he he's a dynasty piece. Like he's a cornerstone piece. If you want to have a dynasty, you go get you somebody like uh, Deshaun Watson. I think Josh Allen is good, and I think Deshaun like I think um, Josh Allen is very good, and I feel like he's on his way up, and he's an MVP candidate. Like he's going to be an MVP candidate for the next few years, but. I think he's more of a um, – he has to have a lot more around him to be at his best because look at how he came into the league. Look at when he came into the league. Look at – he's gotten better every year, but also the team around him has gotten better every single year. If you look at his completion percentage every single year, like that's like the thing people like to put around a lot in social media. Like, oh, look at Josh Allen's like numbers. They go up every year. But on top of that, the Bills have put a lot of good pieces around him. Their defense has gotten better and better. You got guys like Jadavius White, Jordan Poirier. Like their defense has gotten better and better, and their offense has gotten better. You got Stephon Diggs, and then you have Cole Beasley. You have guys, and then they drafted uh, Devin uh, Singletary. He's a very good running back. Like their team has gotten better and better around him. So of course he would look better. I think that the Bills at their best. I think they can win a Super Bowl, but I don't think they can be a dynasty with Josh Allen. I think that with Deshaun Watson, you can build a dynasty. I don't think Devin Singletary is as good as you think. He's been on my fantasy team for two years. That man is garbage. So I would not say that. But I would also say quickly that Allen is, especially this year, I think we've seen it more compared to last year when they've, they had uh, like other 
pieces there, I guess. It, they have been so reliant on their pass game this year. Whereas in past years, if you look at like Houston, for example, when they had like um, L- Lamar Miller and they had D- David Johnson this year, who was, I know he was injured and he's inconsistent, but, and Duke Johnson, like a lot of teams. And I'd say this with the addition of Edwards Hilaire and Bell for the Chiefs, a lot of teams are kind of reliant on the pa- the run game to be good so they can set up play action passes. And the Bills are not one of those teams because they're part of their run game is them setting up a pass play and them going, okay, Josh, run. And then he just <clears throat> he takes off and he's people underrate his speed and he is crazy. He's tough. He's got that Wyoming grit. And yeah, that's all I got to say. Wyoming grit. That's like the, uh, the North Dakota, uh, farm boy church man. That is Carson Wentz a little bit, but um, yeah, but at, at least, uh, our, the farm boy, the farm boy is a, a lot more sensitive. So he is very sensitive. He, he gets his feelings hurt when he's benched. Okay. JT, what you got? All right. Uh, so that, that's all the questions I've got. Uh, great performance by both of you. Um, so, after careful consideration, uh, with a score of five to four, uh, we've got Jack Perry taking the victory. Uh, but wow. I think it was a great performance on both sides. Some truly great arguments. That yeah, this great, 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 great episode. Uh, this is this is really uh, fun, guys. Just want to thank you for uh, being here, talking football, have episodes. Uh, I know I just want to talk to the fan to fan combat fan base. If you're out there, I know I have been lacking as of late and I'm very sorry for that. However, I promise that in this new year, starting now, I will dedicate myself to the podcast more. I will be putting out English premier league episodes. I'll be putting out basketball episodes. I'll be putting out American football episodes. I'll be putting out Maryland stuff. Sorry, guys. You want to be for life. And, yeah, so I just want to thank WMUC Sports for uh, allowing me to have this. And I want to thank both you guys, uh, CJ and Jonah, for participating with me today. And, yeah, that's pretty much all. Uh, uh, Signing off from here. Bye, y'all.